welcome to another message presented by the ministry of Christian Faith Fellowship. We are fulfilling the call of God on this ministry to preach the Word of God without compromise, raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that we have to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. So the Lord put it on my heart uh, a while ago to go back to the captain's mantle, which is something if you have been in SNTI, even for a little while, uh, it's one of, it's just important. And it's, it's, I don't know why, but it's one I remember very well. And so the Lord brought it. So this is really Pastor Barclay's outline and notes, but I just added a few things at the end to uh, encourage our church. That's it. And not just our church, but everybody, every church, every local church. That's what this is about today. So um, let's just pray. Father, I thank you that our hearts are established in righteousness. I thank you that this word right now is going to be profitable, that it's going to bring reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, let's open up to 1 Samuel 22. First <laughs> Samuel 22. Okay, when you're there, say amen. All right, got a couple. All right, I'll just go ahead and start. We're only going to read verses 1 and 2 right now, so just catch up if you get there. 22, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Verse 2, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became a captain over them, and there was about 400 men with him. So the first two verses, obviously, we see that a lot happened in that cave because it's only two verses, okay? You've got David escaping for his life from Saul. This is him leaving, right? And so he's just trying to get away to live, right? So he goes and finds a cave. And, you know, I love caves. I, I think they're beautiful. I love rocks, geology. I visit a lot of caves. And, I, you know, I'm always looking around like, hmm, so this is what it would be like to live in a cave. It's not very pretty. It's not, it stinks. I mean, it's not bad, but it doesn't have air conditioning. Some of, you, you think all of them do, but there are hot caves. Did you know that? I didn't know that until a couple of summers ago. So it's not, it's not a pretty thing. He's literally just hiding, basically. So many times we find that our leaders, and, and when I say leaders today, I'm particularly talking about leaders, uh, not just pastors, not just um, elders, not just children's church um, ushers. See, in kids' class, we talked about leadership a couple of months ago, and they learned that leaders are every single one of us. Because even in my household, I've got my, all three boys. They're leaders in some way. They're leaders to someone. And, and they're even leaders to people older than them, around in our family or friends, etc. right? So when I say leadership... I'm talking about you, but I'm also talking about those above you. The authority is above you, right? So a lot happened in that cave, and there are some mysteries that happened in that cave about leadership. So many times leaders, they're the ones that God's using the most, but you don't realize they're also going through a really um, pressing time or warfare themselves, right? Sometimes we don't see that, right? Um, 
Because a good leader is not going to be whiny and, 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 you know, about it. They're just going to go and spend time with the Lord, right? And God always shows up for, for any leader that's, that they're being yielded to the Lord's work, right? So he wasn't even looking for an opportunity to be a leader at this point. He was just hiding. He's down. He's, he doesn't even feel like one. And I don't know about pastor, but uh, I never feel like a leader. I'm always like, can I just follow you? Could you just, can you come up with a good idea? I don't want to make a decision. But you know what? Whether we like it or not, we are all leaders. And somebody's always looking at us. Somebody's always following us, whether we know it or not. That's why it's important for us to always uh, make the right decisions and keep going and don't quit, right? So nobody's with him. He's all alone. But then... Him hiding, his family finds him. The brethren and his family, all his father's house found him, it says. And there's about 400 of them. Now, it's a lot. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Never thought about it like that. Just a family reunion is a lot, but that's a lot. And the worst part is, it didn't say there were these joyful, sweet, kind, rich, available, excited. No. Did you hear the three words I gave you? All of them were in distress, in debt, and discontent. They came to him. They gathered around him. How would you like that? Oh, my. Yeah. So these 400, you know, the people who are distressed that gathered around him, they're the ones that aren't going to be a very good help. Do you know why? They're so concerned about themselves. If you hear the word distressed, it says stressed. And if you've ever seen anybody stressed or been stressed, you're not, you're not a lot of help because literally you're just focusing on your circumstance or your situation, right? And then it says all the people who were in debt gathered to him. And I, I looked up this debt word in the Greek and I, I saw the word also along with no money, right, or little money. It was also deceived, which I thought was interesting because I didn't know that. So people who are in debt, they're the pressured people. They don't have a lot to give, right? And, and that's financially or even themselves because when people are in debt, they just feel like, oh, I can't really do anything. I just don't have enough, you know? So they're, they're always looking at the, what they don't have is what I should say, okay? But deceived, they're deceived because obviously we know we're rich, right? We always have something to give. When you come up to this um, tithes and offerings, there's always something you can give, right? You can bring a dollar. Nobody knows if you do. You could roll it up. They might think it's a hundred or a 20. You don't need to worry about any of these people. They don't even care. But you know what? You always have something to give, Bring a quarter, bring a penny. Don't bring a lot because this really gets heavy in that bank thing. And then the bank people look at you weird. I don't want Miss Kathy to have to deal with that. But, but bring what you can. Just bring it to him. Anyways, discontent. There's also those who are discontent. That's the most difficult crowd. Ask me how I know. Now, I would love to say what? Yeah, I would love to say right here it's because I live with people that are discontent. But if I was being honest, usually it's the woman who's discontent. We have to constantly tell ourselves, stop it. You are content. You are fine. You don't need a new pair of shoes. You have 50 in there. Go pick one. You don't need, you know, this. You don't need that. It is hard. It is so hard. And that includes men. But we've got to remind ourselves constantly we can be content. But these people, they were discontent. So you know what discontent people do? They complain. 
So he is just surrounded by these people who have, and, and also discontent people, they're complaining so much, they don't want to do what you want them to do. If you have a vision, they're not going with it because they have something to say about it that's complaining why they don't agree with it, right? That's discontent, and we don't want to be any of those people, but these are the people surrounded with, okay? That is what I say is unprofitable. They were oppressed. I would call that oppression. And... uh the world, sadly, would call them losers, okay? Well, we're church people, and we don't call people losers. We don't do that. But the world would call them losers, right? Unless you're playing a board game and you win. That, that's up to you. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's wrong or not, but I'm not going to tell who does that. Okay. Second. Okay. We're, we're moving on. No sheer. Oh, <laughs> I think they figured it out. Okay, go over to second. <laughs> 2 Samuel 23, just go over a little to uh, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 23, and scroll down to verse 8. Scroll with your eyes. I'll give you a second. 2 Samuel 23, 8. You know, these same men that we just talked about, the same men that were discontent, grumpy, complaining, in debt, unprofitable, these are the ones who turned out to be some pretty awesome warriors for David and in the kingdom of God. How did they do that? How did these 400 men in a cave with a person who is not seeking to be a leader over them, who really could have used all these men to take revenge on Saul, he could have done that. He could have chose to do that. He didn't. How did this happen? Let's read uh, verse 8. It says, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. And, and then it names them. And, you know, it says there's eight, uh, there was mighty men. It didn't say just, these are those men that started with him. These are the men that gathered to him. These are the men that uh, changed. It said mighty. And I think that's important. That word's in there, right? Mighty men. These are the same men we just read about. They actually turned out to be valiant, right? Do you know that that means brave, bold, Come on, courage, determined men. Does it sound like the same men we started with? No, no, it doesn't. And they turned into that, so it's possible. So what happened in that cave? What in the world happened? Whatever happened in that cave can happen in our local churches. In every church. It starts here. So we got to figure out those secrets, right? Whatever happened in that cave can happen in local churches taking distressed, in debt, discontent people, and then making mighty men out of them. Whatever happened in there can take hurting, broken people and make heroes, warriors, champions out of them. We can do that. Local church, right here. They come in one way, we send them out another. Better, profitable, right? We can be tools of restoration, that's us, right here, in any local church, right? Well, that's pretty awesome to me. They weren't, they weren't aware of their true identity, I don't think any of them, David or those 400 men in the beginning. But obviously they found out their true identity, right? They actually, together, when they came together, they propelled each other into the destiny. They propelled each other to, those, to be that mighty men and David to be a king, okay? 
So now we're going to go to Second uh, Samuel twenty three thirteen. So just look over for thirteen. And we're going to read 13 through 17. It says, Then three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam, and the troop of the Philistine encamped in the valley of Rapham. David was in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. He's just talking to himself. He's not talking to people. He's just talking to himself, and he, he, Bethlehem was a city, you know? It'd be like your hometown, your good memories, right? So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but he poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he wouldn't drink it. These things were done by these three mighty men. You know, when I first read this in SMTI, <laughs> I was pretty young then, and I had a lot of opinions. But, um, and I still do, but I'm working on it. I mean, I'm getting rid of them. You know, I thought that it was sort of uh, rude of David to pour it out, because I was looking at it in the flesh, right? I was looking at it in the, in the circumstance, physical world, natural. And I thought, wow, they did all that work and he didn't even do it. But man, when you're on the other side and you think about what he really did, I mean, to, to understand what these men did is what he was doing. He was applauding them. That was actually an applaud for, for them. So these men, they overheard their leader craving for this water at the well of Bethlehem, which is his city. They went and risked their lives to do something very special for their leader. They knew the value at this point Okay, this is later. They knew the value now of their leader. They weren't discontent anymore. They weren't in debt anymore. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't complainers anymore, right? They weren't distressed. Why do you think they did that? You know, they remembered what they were like before. That's why. They, they knew, um, we are mighty men now. We got it good. We're doing well. But they remembered we weren't always this way. And, and we were this way when we came to David. And then he became a captain. You know, a captain um, is a commander, right? And a mantle, I should have told you this at the beginning, it's an important role or responsibility that got transferred to somebody else, okay? So David has become this captain, and he's now taking on this mantle. And these men were grateful for what, they, what he did in their lives. That's why they did this, right, out of gratitude. The whole army was in a hold, right? And could not penetrate the enemy lines, but these three men did. Do you know that those wells were guarded? It wasn't like they just like, we see in the movies, they're like ninja, sneak up, because it's all dark. They just dip the cup and they're gone. No, it wasn't like that. I mean, I wasn't there. But they were surrounded by soldiers, right? They were protecting these things, right? So they, that's why this was a mighty act. It was a mighty act, and it was a drink of water. That's so sweet. Because they knew the value of their leader. They didn't take, uh, they didn't take advantage of that, right? So these performed perform these mighty acts out of gratitude, and it wouldn't have been done out of aggression, because you wouldn't do that, right? David, being the mighty man of God he was, poured out the water before the Lord, knowing that these men had risked their lives to go get it for him. And basically what he was doing was he was self-denying, right? And, and I thought that's a key for a leader, Self-denial. When I look at leaders that are successful, 
A lot of people can call themselves leaders. They can start businesses. They can be over people. But that doesn't mean they're a good leader. I've seen them um, uh, fail. I've seen them be sneaky and lie, cheat. But you know what? This self-denial in a leader is a key. Because the reason they're doing it is not for promotion for themselves. Right? It's for the betterment of the group, the mankind, the, the, the army, whatever, you're the local church, right? That's why we do what we do. It's not to make us look better. I definitely don't do children's church to make myself look better. <laughs> and any of you in children's church said, Amen. but we love those kids. It is a blessing. It's a blessing to be in there. Um, so what happened in that cave, okay? So if we were to look at that verse 2 again, kind of break it up, it says if we can figure out what happened in that cave, then we can do the same thing in our local churches, right? We can turn these troubled, pressured people into mighty people of valor, which is what the end result is, right? Those are disciples because that's what Jesus was, mighty, valiant. He was not pressured. He was bold, right? If we were to look at verse 2 again, it says, these men, here's the secret. You can look at verse, if you want to go back there, we can go back there. Uh, where did I say? First Samuel 22, go back to verse 2. I got to go back. We're going to find the secret in there. Everyone who is in distress, that's not the secret. Everyone who is in debt, everyone who is discontented, they did something. They did an action. Because faith acts. They gathered to him. And it doesn't stop there. This is the other part of the secret. They gathered to him. And then it says, so he became a captain over them. You see, there was two parts to this. Two sides to this local church thing. You've got to gather to your leader. If you're in, a, if you're in the church, you've got to gather your pastor. That doesn't mean go to his house. Don't get, gather here. This is, the, this is where we gather. Gather here. If you're in a department, gather there. Gather to the leader of your department. Don't make your leader come to you. I'm, I'm sorry if that offends you. But if I have to come to you, now I'm not speaking about my people. They're really good. I'm just preaching from whatever the Holy Spirit's giving me. If, if your leader has to give you everything and remind you everything and ask you everything that's a lot they're already doing more than you think they're scheduling they're they're rescheduling because unfortunately schedules change they're they're trying to set up they're trying to be prepared they're trying to keep things organized clean does that make sense gather to your people gather to your leader gather to your pastor don't make your pastor come ask you why you weren't at church five times in a row, just send him a little note. Send somebody else a note. Go tell pastor. You know, some of you are so good. You're like, I'm not going to be at prayer tonight. Can you let pastor know? And I love that. I don't think that's being, um, I don't know what the word is, but it's not being t- goody two-shoes. It's awesome. If we expect you here and we don't see you, it's nice to know, okay, we don't, we don't need to uh, leave the door, you know, whatever. We can send somebody to not watch the door the whole time. It's little things like that, Right. Okay, I don't know why I went off on that, but gather, okay? The other side is, if you're a leader, right, you've got to be a captain. You've got to be a commander. So on the opposite side, people need to know what to do. 
They, we can't assume anything. We can't assume they know because we do things a certain way. We can't assume they know to do it that way. We can't assume they remembered that they, um, we, we changed something, right? We can't assume that we told them one time and they're going to remember it because nobody does that, right? Except for maybe people who write it down on their calendar. But then they got to look at the calendar. So there's two parts. There's two sides to this. And if you're not hooked up in this church, you need to get hooked up because there's fun in it. There is fellowship in it. There is relationships that are um, special in it. And it helps you to grow those relationships, right? So we gather. And the captain's captain. They command. Okay? All right. So if you don't gather to a leader, there's no one to lead. If you don't gather to our pastor, he can't lead you. If you don't gather to your department head, they can't lead you. Okay? And, and vice versa, right? And then the David-like ones, they must become the captain, okay? Until those two things happen, you can't duplicate the, what happened in this cave, right? The divine um, spiritual headship that happened here, right? Uh, the relationships even. You also, as men, just like these men, you know, they came out of their own free will. We, we have free will. We get to choose what to do. These men choose to come and gather to the leader, and then he can develop in them. He can develop, help them develop, especially where they're not developed, and vice versa. Did you know that you can help your captain develop in certain things? I have kids, teachers. I'm a department head, which, you know, I just schedule, really. I don't go boss people around or anything. I just make sure somebody's there, you know. Just make sure somebody's there the whole time. But there's people that when we get together, they help me to be a better captain because they know things that I don't know and I know things that they don't know. So it works when we gather, when we don't nitpick, when we don't say, well, if I was the captain, well, guess what? If you want to be the captain, come be the captain. I don't really care. You're going to be scheduling, so that's fine. And that's hard work sometimes, just so you know. <laughs> Ask Ina. She knows. She's back there in the nursery. Okay, so it's, it's a blessing when we can do it together. It's a blessing when you gather, you gather, and they lead, right, together. So uh, when we do that, it can be a proper uh, fellowship, right? It can be a proper um, leadership, okay? And, and biblical, biblical, I should say that too. All right, men have to choose to gather to the leaders in order to be trained by them, okay? You come, they train. You gather, they train you. You say, I don't know how to do that. You go, you just tell them that. I've never done this before. I've never been, I'm not, I'm not promoting kids class today. It's just that that's what I do, okay? So this goes for cleaning and ushering and sound team and music team and everything. I can't even think of everything. There's a lot of stuff to do in this church, right? And a lot of things we don't see. We don't see the behind things that people, we don't see the worship team having to practice on Saturdays. We don't see the sound team having to set up all kinds of crazy stuff when, when I send them a video the night before, right? But they're awesome. We don't see those things. But you know what? We have to be trained if we don't know what to do. That's not scary. I was trained to do the sound, the slides. And hey, if I can do slides, anybody can do it because it is a little nerve wracking. I've never had my hands sweat in anything except for slides. <laughs> You're like, okay, ready, go, hit the button. Okay, go. Oh no, they went to the wrong first. Okay, go back. 
It, it, you know, but you know what? It's just, you can be trained is my point, right? But if you don't gather to them, to the leaders, you won't be trained. If you don't gather to the pastor, you won't be discipled, which is our number one calling, right? You can't go make God known if you don't know how, right? That's why we gather here in this place. It is a special thing. When you gather to prayer on Monday nights, you learn how to pray, when you gather on Wednesdays, you learn how to do Bible study. It's a, little, it's a little more in-depth than Sunday mornings, right? So there's an opportunity for you to be trained in everything. You know, even pastors have to choose to become captains so they can lead and develop all these men. And he does that, right? Our pastor does with the men's meetings, right? They disciple. They go into further details, right? Interesting thing, even the kings... Um, knew that they needed a priest. They needed help. A king wasn't just like, I can do it all. I mean, some of them did. But a good king, they sought the priest. They sought the priest's uh, help, right? They sought his advice because they knew the priest was going to listen from God. The priest, the good priest wanted to stay right with God. And that's what the local church wants to do, right? You know, the Bible says in Jeremiah 3.15 that we will have shepherds to lead us right? And we need to be led by them. What I want to encourage you tonight is to be led by your pastor, uh, to be available, to be trained, to be available, to be taught. Um, I want to encourage you to be teachable because sometimes we can come in here and hear the same thing or see the same title. I don't have a title. I forgot. But sometimes there's a title. I really like titles. I like when you do that. It's fun for me. And uh, it helps me to stay focused sometimes. So it's just like, oh, yeah, that's okay. So it, what was I going with that? The title. Okay, I don't know why I said that. Okay, where was I at? Somebody tell me. Come on, y'all were listening before the title. Thank you. Teachable. Thank you. That's it. I should not. Okay. So be teachable. You know, we can hear the same things. We can see the same title and think, man, this is, this is number uh, 472 of the same, whatever. Same. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't gone that far, but our brains. <laughs> no, you haven't. No, but our brains can, it's our brains that can tell us Really? I think I got this. But, I mean, I, I definitely know. No, I need to hear it over and over and over. But our brains can try to tell us that. Our brains can try to say, oh, shut down, you know, or I don't, you know, a little bit. No, no, teachable means you come in. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. I, I don't really care if you get mad, actually. I, I really don't care if you get mad. Because, honestly, if I were to listen to the people I wouldn't be standing up here today. If I were to listen to the devil, definitely wouldn't be standing up here today. Listen, you come in. Teachable means you come in. You clear yourself of whatever happened that morning, which we all know he strikes in, you know, right before church, especially on Sunday mornings. You know, I won't even go there, okay? Sunday mornings are definitely when he attacks the most. Wednesdays, you're tired, Right? Sunday nights, you're like, I just went there. We were just there. We got there at like 8.45. I got to go back again? No. We come in. We come in clear. No matter what happened with your spouse, your kids. Who cares if they came in with one shoe? Just get here. Okay? 
there's nothing here. This clean. We clean it. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. My kids don't even wear shoes half the time, so it's fine. <laughs> Neither does my husband. So um, do you come in? You take a deep breath. You know, Matt does a, such a good job. I hope that you go and say thank you to him sometimes. I mean, obviously it'd be weird if we did every service, all of us, because then he'll know that you just did it because I told you. But I hope you go and tell him thank you because it takes a lot of work to bring people who are coming in distressed. I know, it's, I know, I don't like it either. Discontent and even indebted, deceived sometimes. It takes a lot of work to gather you up cheer you on to say, here we go. We're about to worship God. Put everything outside. Lay everything at your chair. Get up here. You leave that at your chair. You get up here and let's just worship. Let's bring a gift to God right now. You know, in kids class, we do a visual where we bring a gift that's smashed, kind of torn, you know, and it just doesn't look pretty. And then we all know most, most of us like pretty gifts, right? a pretty bow or pretty paper. And we bring those two gifts up and we say, you know, you can, be, you can bring this gift today. The crumpled one are the kids. And I always show them, you know, you're doing this during praise and worship or you're leaning against the wall or you're, I don't know, picking your nose or maybe, um, maybe you're trying to distract the person next to you. Maybe you're, maybe you're talking to the person next to you. I know I didn't want to say it, but it's here. Um, maybe you're on your phone that is not a pretty gift. Now, there are circumstances that are emergencies. But if you do that every time, you're bringing a messed up gift. I'm glad you're bringing it. I mean, God's glad you're bringing it. But we're supposed to worship it in spirit and truth. And how can you do that if you're distracted by circumstances? Don't you know it's not you that's trying to distract yourself? Don't you know the enemy is determined to distract you, to keep you from worshiping God? When you come in these doors, if you do, he won. Or you can bring a beautiful gift, which does not mean you have to come up here. It doesn't even mean you have to raise your hands. Oh, let's raise my hands. You know, those are just things people do to express. People express in different ways. What that means is you shut everything off. Shut down that brain that's trying to think of what you got to do after church or what you did before. And come in and just be. Just breathe. Just soak in God. Be a gift to him. Did you? I don't know which one of you said it this morning. We come to serve him. We came to serve him today. Stop getting the attitude of we are supposed to be served. Stop, stop dragging yourself through the door thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I made it here. Now God can fix me. That is not the purpose of this. Yes, I'm glad you come. And yes, he will fix you every time. But at one point, you need to come in walking high up because you have a position. You need to come in saying, what am I going to do for God today? Who am I going to help in this congregation? Who am I going to come build up today? Wow. So... So I'm, now I'm going to go into taking your position because here we, go, here we are, we've got, we've got some, you're going to be both. You're going to be the David-like leaders at some point. And then you're also going to be those men 
who are gathering to the leader. Don't forget, we're going to have many people coming through that door who are discontent, distressed. Oh, not all of them. Some of them are going to come in because it's already been prophesied. They're going to be faithful people ready to help. They're going to plug in so quick, but then we're going to have the other people coming in, right? The ones that need help. And here we are. We got to be ready. How are we going to help somebody else if we're depressed? What kind of help are you going to be? Blind leading the blind? You're not, you're not going to be a whole lot of help. You may be some. I don't want to discourage that. But think about the maximum help you could be if you're not, if you walk in those doors not distressed. Anyways, I was going to say thank you for bringing us into worship, and I think I forgot. Thank you. It's, I know it's work. I know it has to be. I mean, maybe it's easy for you, but I tell you, it helps me to refocus when I come in. Um, and, and we want to bring a good gift to the Lord. We want to bring a beautiful gift. We want to bring a beautiful gift. This altar here, for me, is no distractions. That's why I come up here. Because I have children. Yeah. And there's always something they need. And they don't need it. We just left. We just, I just fed you. I gave you water. I fed and watered you. You should be good. <laughs> I, need, I need a little rope to tie them up somewhere. Okay, I fed and watered you. It's not just children. It's adults, right, coming in or the door opening can be a distraction, right? Your phone, something falling on the floor, you tripping over something. This to me is I'm going up here and I'm not distracted by anybody. The enemy is not getting me today. I'm bringing a gift. I'm bringing a good gift. Take your position. Church, take your position. You know, I got fired up in our women's conference when that little old lady, what was her name, with the great, short gray hair? What was her? Oh, well, she's so good. What was? Oh, she was good. Oh, she's from the South. She had a real deep uh, Southern accent. You know who I'm talking about. Kathy Pittman. Okay. Well, let me just tell you about this lady. She got, she fired me up. I mean, the whole conference was good, but she took everything to a different perspective and it lined right up with what we, what we learn about our position, right? Rising up to our place because she said, church, stop, stop it. Stop making me, stop making everybody else pull you up. You are the ones pulling people up. We are in the midst of chaos. And guess what? It's only going to get more chaotic. I'm talking about the world. Not talking about in here. It's only going to get more chaotic. And we have to be the ones that are at peace. We're calm. You know what? Whatever comes at us, comes at us. Whatever we have to pick up and do, we're going to yield to and pick up and do. And we're going to keep going. We are not going to be moved. No. Take your position. Did you know God has given you everything you need? Your job cannot give you everything you need. They can supply you with some money. And yes, money makes things easier. We need money for the kingdom. But it can't give you everything you need. And Jesus did. He already did. You already have it. It's in your pocket. Use it. You know? Let's go to Hebrews 3.13 real quick. Hebrews 3.13. Go to some New Testament. I'm adding all this, so, you know, if anything's wrong, Pastor, you just stare me down, okay? <laughs> well, most of it comes from him anyway, so it's good. Okay, 313, say amen when you're there. Amen. Awesome. <laughs> okay, 13. But exhort one another daily, while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now, 
don't even know how many times I've heard this, and I even heard it not too long ago, and then it was in my, my reading that morning, and I just, for some reason, I went back and I thought, oh, I, I mean, I'm sure we've already learned it, but, you know, it doesn't always take the first time. So when I read it, I said, okay, but exhort one another daily. We're supposed to exhort. While it's called today, we need to do that every day, in other words, right? Lest any of you be hardened. So that means if I don't exhort you, you, you could be hardened. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So if we put those together, well, first of all, exhort means to encourage, okay? And maybe the kids didn't know, encourage. You know, if you're encouraging somebody, did you know you're instilling life into them? If you go speak the word, you're literally giving life to somebody. That's amazing. You're giving them courage. You're giving them support and confidence. You're giving them hope and you're uplifting them. You're cheering them on, which all of us need. Even our pastor. You're giving advice to them so that they will keep doing what they're supposed to be doing. That's what you're doing when you encourage. You're helping to stimulate and develop them or what they're doing, right? Their calling, their gift, a person, discipleship, everything. A good friend of mine told me not too long ago two things that she has learned, and she's more mature. And so it's interesting what came out of her mouth. She told me two things. She said, first of all, don't take anything for granted. And she said the second thing was don't assume. And I thought, those are powerful words. I'm going to write that down, and I'm going to meditate on those. So we take nothing for granted. We don't take any of our brothers and sisters for granted in here. Look around. These are special people. These are God's masterpiece. You are artwork. You are a wonderful creation. You're also a conqueror. You're more than enough. You know, don't take the person next to you for granted. Don't even take these chairs for granted. I work for Terry Mize Ministries. Guess what a lot of people don't have? Chairs. Air conditioning. You see pictures of people gathering and they are literally touching each other. I know, it's crazy. Touching each other. Eating off the ground. They think it's awesome when they have a chair. And not everybody usually gets to sit in a chair. Don't take those things for granted. Don't take our worship leader for granted. Hey, we know what it's like not to have a worship leader. Don't take that for granted. Don't take our sound guys for granted or the camera people. Don't take our pastor or his wife, amazing encourager, for granted. Utilize them. If you're not utilizing and gathering, you're taking them for granted, these people that I just mentioned. Your kids' class teachers. Now, we have awesome kids, and we probably wouldn't notice if they were in here all the time. But still, they are training your kids with words, and they're bringing it to a level that they can understand. They're doing that for your kids. They're actually sacrificing their time in here under the word, the anointing, to be in there. And they do get blessed. Don't get me wrong. But don't take that for granted. Don't take this word for granted. I love that you said this morning, the word will never pass away because... You know, I always think about that. I think the word, it won't pass away. We know that. However, don't think that Bibles can't be um, gotten rid of in our country. Do not think that. If we let that happen, did you know it can? 
Did you know there's countries that can't have Bibles? They have to hide them. They sew words in their clothing just to memorize a verse. Don't, what I mean by this is I don't mean appreciate it. I mean utilize it. Read it. Do it. Memorize it, adults. Not just your kids. If you got to use a song, then you sing it out. Okay? It's okay. Don't take it for granted. And the other thing was assume nothing. And I thought, oh, that's so good. Because the, that's, if the battle is in the mind, which we know it is, then that assuming is just like uh, the devil's playground, right? Going in there and, and just throwing stuff out. Because if, you, if he can get you to assume things, he, that's when he makes you feel secluded. I'm all alone. Nobody understands. It's never going to work out for me. I'm not good enough to serve in that position. That's not true. Don't assume anything. Oh, don't assume anything about other people. Don't assume that you know what their life is like when they're home. Don't assume everything is beautiful in their life. Because if you do, you're, you, you live on Facebook probably. If you do. Because it can be deceiving, right? You could be, you'd be deceived and think, wow, they, just, they have like the best pictures. Or how do they even get that food to look that way, right? Is that even real? Come on, people. No, life may be that way, and it may look that way in the picture, but you know that life is not like that all the time. Life has beautiful moments. Life has messy moments, okay? Don't assume anything. Don't assume that somebody who comes in peppy and with a smile doesn't mean she doesn't need a hug or he doesn't need a word of encouragement because look at him. He's dressed so good and he's big and bulky or whatever. (laughs) Okay, maybe, okay, we can just say Josh. If he's, you know, that doesn't mean he doesn't need you to smile at him. You know, even our kids, don't, don't think that even these kids don't need a word of encouragement. Hey, listen, they go through things just like we do. All of you are amazing to me. I'm not talking about any person. I'm saying don't take for granted and don't assume. Don't assume. Okay, so if we go back to that verse, it's saying, you know, it tells us that unbelief comes from a hardened heart, right? We know a hardened heart comes from the deceitfulness of sin, which in turn is, is disobedience, right? Um, and then all that together will lead to a person departing from the living God if they continue to sear. We already know that, right? So I was looking at this verse and I thought, wow, just us exhorting one another daily while it's called today, we, ultimately we could keep somebody from departing from the living God. Nobody chooses to, live, to depart from God. They don't just wake up one day and think, you know, God's been so good. I think I'm going to depart from him today. Wow, he's done so much. He's given me so many blessings, I can't take anymore. You know, Lakshmi, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's just overload. I mean, too many, too much, too much, too many beautiful moments. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave today. No, it's a subtle thing. It happens because, um, you know, something got in, or an offense came. But don't you know, our words of encouragement can, can redirect that, can redirect from that offense. Or um, that assumption, because we can tell you to not assume, but still probably sometimes we're going to assume. But that word of encouragement can just redirect that, oh, 
assumption, or, um, or maybe somebody doesn't feel like they should be doing what they're doing that day. And, it, and it's just a feeling or an emotion, or maybe it was something that was, it was a look, you know, from somebody like, yeah, I think I was doing it way wrong because Chef, like, he was, like, staring at me. Yeah. And, and also he snorted a little, so I think I messed up today. I, I'm never going to do slides again, never. I'm saying, I know it's, I know it's hilarious, but it, it really can happen. That's how stinking the devil is. He can take those things, and we actually take that up. No, don't take it up. But my point is you can distract a person from taking that up. Smiling, telling them that you're grateful for them to be here, telling them how much God loves them, right? You can, you can possibly dis, keep somebody from leaving God because nobody chooses to leave goodness. Nobody chooses to, to leave love. I mean, come on. These are all great things. So we're all leaders, right? And leaders... All, all a leader does is a leader takes information that they learned and, it dis, and they disperse it, right? That's what a leader does. I, just, I take information that I learn and I disperse it. You in your job take information and you disperse it. As a parent, you do the same thing, right? That's why we're all leaders. Even the kids, they learn things, they disperse it. They're literally leading others to do the same. That's all a leader is. Uh, we're going to watch a, a small video by Nancy Dufresne that a very sweet friend sent me, and I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to write it down, but honestly, I don't have the vocabulary that she has, and so I can't say it the way she does. Um, she takes something, and she just runs with it, and so I was wondering if we could watch that video. Okay. The word calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. What, when, when the word shows that name for him, gives that name and calls out him linked with that name, the word is revealing something to us. It's revealing one of the enemy's main strategies against us is accusations as the accuser of the brethren. And it's important that we recognize the accuser at work. That we recognize when that is the strategy he's endeavoring to work against us. Because he's doing that, it's strategic. So one of the greatest hindrances to our prayer life is this thing of condemnation. It comes, it, condemnation comes from the accuser of the brethren. That he takes you and accuses you with you. He doesn't want that done to him. Because he can't pass that one. But he tries to hold us mindful of the old man. Tries to hold us in the natural arena by pointing to the natural faults failures, weaknesses. And he endeavors to hold us in that mindset. Always looking at who we are in the flesh, weaknesses of the flesh, faults of the flesh. Why? Because then you never step into 
the flow that is of the spirit because people get so absorbed or mindful with what they're not in the flesh. But the old man has passed away. Old man was crucified with Christ. Yes, we still have flesh. I'm not acting like that. But the accuser of the brethren is flipping your, your vision and your view to focus on the natural side and accuse you with it. And he will not accuse you with something that doesn't pertain to you. Every bit that he accuses you with will pertain to you or you wouldn't swallow it. And that's the skill of the accuser. Well, we have to have the mindset and the skill of the redeemed from the accuser. We have to have the mindset and the skill of, you're talking about the old man, devil. I'm in Christ. My life is hid with God in Christ. That we have to see ourselves in him and function at that place so that we don't get tripped up by the accusation of the accuser. Because I don't care how long you've walked with God, the accuser of the brethren is still against you. And he will pull that card of accusation. No matter how long you've prayed in the Holy Ghost or no matter, he's always, he's always bringing you back up. But not in a pretty way. In a fault finding way, in a condemning way, in an accusational way. Holding before you all your weaknesses, reminding you, and he will bombard the mind, reminding you of all of your faults, failures, weaknesses. When he does that, we have to become skillful at flipping that mirror. We have a different mirror we look in, but we flip it on him and say... No one has failed God like you have failed God. No one has been in the presence of God as you were and did not value it. Flip that. If he wants to play the accusational game, we got some accusations. And this is, I'm going to show you how this is pertinent to our prayer life because um, condemnation is basically sin consciousness. Conscious of your sin and your faults, your failures, your misses. So he, he seeks to continually remind us of that flesh arena. Oh, uh, wasn't that good? Yeah, I could not have done that justice. That's so good. That's all this is. You know, when we are choosing to come in and not gather, um, or as a leader, you're choosing to not captain, why else would you not do that? Because you are looking now at a natural, right? You're being convinced something that's a lie. Oh, yeah. you, you are more than enough. You have got to see yourself as already righteous, as already redeemed. You've got to look down and see the devil under your feet, not staring at you, pointing at you. I can just see him with a mirror and you looking at yourself and remembering all the old, all the, all the things that you've done or the thing that you did today or the thing you said or the whatever. You could go on and on. 
But that's not where we're looking. That I love, she said, flip that. You are the worst of all of them. You got, what? We, we don't have, some of us don't have any problem flipping it on other people. When they try to come, you know, we're like, you want to talk about me? Let's talk about you. Now, we don't do that. But sometimes we accidentally do. If we're like with our spouse, we accidentally, well, you, well, you, well, no, you, no, okay. But you know what? We're, what I'm saying is so easy for us to do that in a natural. We can do that to him because he is the worst. He actually is the cause of all of those things. It's not each other. Like she said, we, we do not wrestle against people. No person is your enemy. They're just people. They're just people who are persuaded by the enemy. Did you know Hitler was persuaded by Satanists? He was persuaded by these people, and then he became what he was. But don't you see the enemy, Satanists? He's the ultimate culprit. So stop looking at that. Look down and see him under your feet, and then look up and say, thank you, Lord. I am not that person. If you said something wrong, go repent. Move on. Stop holding on to things. Stop holding on to the past. Too many people hold on to the past. Stop, stop thinking things are going to be the same. Stop thinking things are going to go back to normal. We don't want normal. We want better. We want more boldness. Okay, if we want normal, do you know why the church is where it is today? Because of the normal. Do you know why Roe versus Wade got taken so long to get overturned? Because of normal. Stop settling for normal. Take your position. Let's start here. Let's start here. Nobody in this room is less than anybody else. And you know what? The only thing that's going to stand you apart from the world is you stepping up into your position. If we, were to, if we were to give you a piece of paper that said you are now, you know, you had a long lost grandfather and you are now princess or queen or king or prince. I, I don't know this, but I think you'd get pretty excited, you know. I mean, think about it. Royalty doesn't worry about things as far as stuff. They don't worry if they're going to get fed. They don't worry if they're going to get through traffic on time. They expect to be there on time. They expect things to be perfect to their uh, description, whatever they described, whatever they wanted, their order, right? And it's because that's the way things are for them. That is us. Do you see that? Your royalty, you are royalty. You have a position. Can we walk in our position, please? I'm talking to myself, too. I'm talking to myself. Can we please just wake up and grab our mirror every morning? Can we grab our mirror and can we grab a hold of Romans? Can we just grab a hold of it and look at it and see ourselves? If you need to put this on your mirror and get rid of your other mirror, just put it all over it. Hey, you are better off being pretty in the spiritual than, than fixing your hair that day. I, I mean, whatever. Whatever. Some people don't fix their hair. So really, you know, these days, actually, you'd fit in. It wouldn't matter anyways, right? I mean, not fixing your hair is cool now. I mean, not in this church, but, you know, in the world is what I'm saying. So it's not like you're going to stand out. If you wear different socks, that's normal. Different colored socks. 
My mom didn't know that until she saw my socks the other day. <laughs> but I just couldn't find my other color. So, Listen, I just wanted to leave you today with taking your position. And, and this is me too. It just fired me up to stop settling for, for even, not even low, just mediocre or even good. Stop settling even for good. Let's go on to the best. And all it takes is just some time in this and doing it and exhorting and loving on each other. Because everything, everybody has warfare daily. They're all different. And, and some may sound less to, to others, but really, if you're the person dealing with it, it's all, it's all the same. It feels huge. It feels huge. Just encourage one another. We pray you were blessed by the message we were able to share with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to find out more about our ministry, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.